What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. He's down in his bomb shelter for today's uh, today's episode to uh, to record, but it's uh, I'm sure it's nice and private anyway. But uh, lots to talk about. Another exciting week of basketball is taking place. We're one step closer to the NBA playoffs. We're going to be talking some Sacramento Kings, some Phoenix Suns, and then obviously we're going to take a look at the the two key important matchups we saw this week, which was the Bucks against the Celtics and the Lakers against the T-Wheels. But opening up, we got a shout out from a fan of ours that Giovanni, 11 years old from Florida, your question is on the Sacramento Kings. How far can they go in the playoffs and can they... Ultimately, beat the Warriors. Uh, looking at it now, I know the Warriors have a chance, but that we may not get a chance to see that. But just looking at it from the whole, how far do we think the Sacramento Kings can get in the playoffs, Chris? Wh- where are you at with with Sacramento? Yeah, I'll tell you. First of all, like awesome question. I, I love I love that from Giovanni. Uh, not a lot of people are thinking about the Kings, and if you look at the math, the math don't like the Kings either. Five thirty eight, notoriously good at predicting everything. Um, like like I said, we're all going to be replaced by AI eventually, in, including sports, whatever. Um, Chat GPT would probably do a better job of figuring this out than I do. But 538, 0.5% chance at winning the NBA Finals. And only a 2% chance of making it to the Finals at all for a top three team in the West who's been consistently the best offensive team this season. The last 20 games, they have an offensive rating of 125. That leads the league, just like they've done all season. But that 538 percentage, that's a slightly worse chance than they're giving the Toronto Raptors right now. That's like what that's what the uh, advanced stats will say. So why why do we, you know, as I think some a lot of NBA geeks out there are excited about the Kings, not just because of the story that they are this season, but what they've done offensively. I think specifically about the Warriors, this is a really cool matchup because we we brushed up on this, but we look at how the Warriors have been defensively on the road this season and it's been just terrible and you compare that with how good the kings have been how explosive they've been um especially with their ability to play inside out with sabonis and fox's ability to really get downhill with him at the helm like that's that's the exciting part of this matchup i think that they definitely have a chance yeah the chance is certainly (laughs) there it's just when we get to the playoffs, the big thing about being in the playoffs is you got to have your defense up to scratch. And that's the issue for the Sacramento Kings. Their offense is unbelievable. That's why they've been so fun to watch this year. That's why it's so good. They're getting back into, into the playoffs with this elite offensive uh, output that they're, that they're showcasing. But you look at it and you think they're their first in points per game, but then they're 26 in opponents points per game. They're first in offensive rating, and then they're 24th in defensive rating. That's where the issues are going to lie. Unfortunately, you have to have that balance if you're going to go on a deep a deep playoff run. Sometimes the offense is that good. I think they could get through a, play, a, a series. The Warriors will not be looking forward to playing them. But on the defensive side, can that match up when they're in a tight game, when they're in the clutch moments, can their defense step up and make that play that they need to be able to win games? That's that's where I have the doubt, and that's where I can kind of relate to what we're seeing in terms of the percentage chances of uh, of them uh, going all the way, or even or even making it to uh, to the finals. I, I'd be interested to see what their their percentage chance of winning a playoff series is. Obviously, this is their return. No matter what, this is a great year for the Sacramento Kings because they are back in the NBA playoffs. First time 
since 2006, which is just insane to think of the longest drought in in sports franchise history in America. Like, uh, that is just it, it's crazy, and it's been great. And you hope that they can uh, they can at least make some noise in the playoffs. They're all they're gonna make some noise regardless because there's a good chance they're gonna be going up against the defending champions. Yeah, I think that it's obviously the defensive part is is tough. That's that's tough, and you're always gonna have a tough time when Sabonis is that's your defensive anchor, and it's gonna be particularly difficult when you're facing the Warriors when you have such a prolific movement offense and such a plotting big like Sabonis. That's that's gonna be very difficult. But I, I think one thing that's that's in the bag is that Mike Brown is a head coach, and Mike Brown understands the warrior system and i think mike brown will have if any coach is going to have a very good um answer with you know the hand that he's dealt i think it's it's him and he's shown that he's really been such a big part of this turnaround and obviously that's not going to immediately translate to them beating the warriors here but i think he he will have a good preparation for this team and you know i i wish i i wish i could tell you that like davion mitchell would be like this uh, secret weapon against Steph Curry because he just seems like that perfect sort of like small guard that can chase Curry all around the court that can match his energy and he can, but, but I think Steph's just like one of those guys you're just not gonna you're not gonna stop. So but we'll see how they how they do this in the playoffs. It, I mean, notoriously, we'll we'll see how many lineups that the Warriors put out there with Looney and Green out there at the same time because then that that saves the bonus a little bit. You know, if 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 they're able to just play off of green, play off of uh, Looney, and really just kind of hide Sabonis a bit, then that then it really just comes down to the Kings guards like just staying up all game, all series long, just to chase them around. You know how you know how Curry's gonna get hot. But one other thing I'm thinking about, and th- this is from the Warriors' perspective too, it's been surprising how bad defensively they've been because of Dante DiVincenzo and because of Poole. And DiVincenzo, who I, I usually think of as a, a good defensive guard, both those guys have not been up to par with what the Warriors expect. So if, if the Warriors really start putting Gary Payton Jr. out there, I mean, that's an immediate plus on defense. That's something that they need, especially on the road. Um, we looked this up from a basketball reference. If, and no one's following, uh, not basketball reference, uh, basketball breakdown, b-ball breakdown on YouTube. Um, this guy really gets into the stats and how different teams are changing things up specifically. The Warriors are giving up the most corner looks and shots right at the rim in the league on the road. And that perfectly explains why they're one of the worst defenses on the road in the league. And that is a perfect recipe for the Kings who have done such a good job of playing inside out. So you'd expect that that's going to be a major concern for them. So if they decide to put Gary Payton Jr. out there, it'll be interesting to see if that makes it a little bit easier and that tips the balance for the Kings to have an easier time on defense. Because you can't survive. I, I We haven't seen enough of it this year of Gary Payton Jr., Looney, and Green on the floor at the same time. While that would spell like greatness defensively, that might make it a little bit easier. So it'll be definitely a chess match. This isn't, I don't think, all that to say, like I don't think that the, the Kings walk into that series when they meet, if they meet, and it's just, it's a cakewalk for the Warriors, it's going to be a chess match. It's going to go to six games, at least, if they meet. Yeah, I think they, that it's huge that the the Kings are going to have the home advantage, obviously, so they're going to have 
that chance to uh, to take advantage of what the Warriors' biggest weakness uh, this year. It's how these guys perform in the playoff scenario. That's that's the next the next thing we've seen. Plenty of uh, players and teams down the years that have have looked good in the regular season, and then it gets to playoff time, and they just aren't uh, they're not ready for that moment yet. They don't uh, they they're not able to step up. So we're gonna get a get a look at that year here. I think we we can be confident though in in what the the Kings are doing that. It's not anyone that it's not like a one man team or anything. It's very much a team based uh, philosophy that they've got here. They've got guys that are, are doing great. Like Keegan Murray has really stepped up. Like he's going to be, mm-hmm. he's not going to be in a conversation for rookie of the year or anything, but he has started uh, most of the games this, this year. He's averaging 12 points per game and he's shooting 40% from three. Uh, uh, just broke the record there for most trees by a, by yeah. a rookie all time, which is, which is great. And you got Kevin Herter, He's he's shooting uh forty one percent from three, and Sabonis and Fox. I think, I, I think Fox is going to be fine in the playoffs, because this mm-hmm. is the first year where you've really thought, okay, it makes sense now. I get why the Kings have put so much faith in him. I I get why they've they've committed to him. He's really looked like that that star turn of a player, and he's found his uh his running mate in Sabonis, especially on on the offensive end. So I think you can be confident that this isn't just. Oh, he's finally had a great his great offense uh regular season. He's he might choke now come playoff time. I think though I don't think that's gonna be an issue for this team. It's just the the, the overall two way play. How does that work out in, in the seven game series? But yeah, I think you're right. The the Warriors aren't aren't gonna aren't gonna roll over this Kings team. They are gonna have to really step up and probably play to a level that they haven't got to for the entire season. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that out because it's such a simple thing that I've glossed over, uh, especially since we're talking about the advantage, home court advantage, and how bad the Warriors play on the road. I mean, that's a massive, massive thing that I don't, thinking back, I don't think the Warriors have ever had to be in a playoff series where, except for, did, did they have it against the Grizzlies where they had to play two games away starting? When's the last time they had to do that? What were they or did, or did they have home court advantage? I think they had home court advantage. They had home court they, advantage. They were the two seed last year, weren't they? Yeah. So I I didn't look this up before. Yeah, they they have not in this in this era, the second era of the Warriors, and in the first era, they have not had I don't think a series where they don't have home court advantage to start. They haven't had that that experience yet. And if they have, it it's not been in recent memory, and it's not been in a season where they've been so bad away. So going. If they go down 0-2 against a hot Kings team, like that's that's a big deal. Like that's why home court advantage is so important. Um, obviously, the old saying, it's not a series until someone loses at home. So that's that's very classic. We see that 0-2, then 2-2 after these teams play at home, and then it's game five. And I would I would expect that would be something that we'd see here. But I mean that that's definitely a big deal. Um, and in terms of the turnovers, I, I want to mention the, the turnovers because that's just been a constant thing for the Warriors all season long. Um, we saw it against the Pelicans in the first half. Of course, I when uh, we, we saw that first half and I was just texting you like the, the Warriors are done. Like I, they can't play like this. And then I go to sleep and then watch the second half of the next game and they just look like a completely different team. Um, but lapses like that, I think, still matter, even though the Warriors can pull out greatness in the second half in order to to win. And I will say of note, that was at home, not away. Mm-hmm. But the the Kings, I think, have been the opposite of that. For for a team that plays, that's a prolific fast break team, they're top 10 in the league, and that's really thanks to the play of, of Fox very often. 
Um, but they're also number one in the league in assist to turnover. They take care of the ball. They're right now in the last 20 games, they're they have the highest assist rate in the league, but they have the lowest turnover rate. So they take care of the ball. They're not going to give the Warriors opportunities. They're actually the best team in the league for the whole season and opponents fast break points per game. So the Warriors, I mean, team that really tries to take a lot of risks. This is very often why they're uh, giving up a lot of easy points because you got guys that are just trying to get in passing lanes. They're trying to take risks. They're trying to create turnovers. And then it leads to easy buckets from the corner, easy buckets in the paint. And if that's the kind of risky mentality that they take against a Kings team that I think we usually look at over the past four years, the Fox era of the Kings, you think of a team that just tries to get up and down, not responsible with the ball, but that's not who they are this season. Obviously, the, the Warriors themselves will know that, but it's going to be a very different matchup where, you know, the chaos that they usually try to create is not the chaos that the Kings have allowed to really happen to them all season. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that just to finish it off, I think the recipe is there for the Kings. It's just now the question of going out and and executing. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I'm, I fancy the Kings. I still think the Warriors <laughs> are going to be able to pull it yeah. out, but Talking about here, the recipe is certainly there for Sacramento and the Warriors. Like I said, they're going to have to play up to a level that they have not done for this since since the playoffs uh, last year. But just uh, to dr- drop down one team in the Western Conference, the fourth seed, the Phoenix Suns. They've been on a, a good little run uh, of late. They uh, have won four straight games. They have just got KD back. He's looking. He's he's looking fine. Hopefully, he's he's healthy now for the for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. But the guy you got, I really want to talk about is Devin Booker. He missed twenty one straight games, and since he's been back, he's averaged twenty nine and a half points per game and just over five assists. The Suns are on a thirteen and nine nine run in that spell, compared to ten and eleven in the games that he missed. He has really stepped up and been that complete difference maker even since they acquired Kevin Durant. And his form now, it's really starting to make me think that even if KD isn't at full tilt, they can definitely still still cause a lot of uh, a lot of problems for teams when we get into the playoffs now. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we talked about before too. Is even if even if Kevin Durant wasn't there, I think Devin Booker's been on such a tear in the last. Like you said, last 20 games, last since he's been here, he's been efficient, he's been aggressive, and he's looked like the best version of himself. And I think that's what you want, honestly, with Kevin Durant on this team. You, know, you, you sign Kevin Durant for to prolong your championship window. Chris Paul looks like he can still play, but not be the focal piece. This is about Devin Booker. And I'm waiting for you to pose your question that, that I hate. <laughs> but I think to 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 pre-answer, Devin Booker should be the focal point of this offense. And if if Kevin Durant is your release valve on offense, if if Kevin Durant's the guy at the wing who Devin Booker is creating a play for, that's that's perfect offense. If if it, I, I think Devin Booker on ball, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant off ball. I mean that that's a recipe for long-term success. If Booker can continue to be efficient if he can continue to make good decisions. And Kevin Durant just has to honestly just hit shots, attack closeouts. You know, really, if he's the if he's option number two, then that like that's a cheat code. Like we, we we've seen we've seen it with uh Durant on the Warriors when he he doesn't have to create the play and the, the flow goes towards him and he just has to hit an open shot. Like that's 
that shooting practice for one of the greatest shooters of all time. The that's the he's the best offensive player we've ever seen in the NBA. And he gets to be the second option on a team with one of the best point guards to ever play. And in this era, one of the best shooting guards to ever play. So like it's it's easy math. So go ahead and ask your uh <laughs> your your clickbait question. I'll I'll, I'll hold on. <laughs> One thing I just say is the the kind of comparison that you look at them and then you look at the uh, at the Kings. Obviously, the the Suns have had a bit more playoff <clears> experience <throat> of late, but even you look at the the overall stats. I think they're seventeenth in offensive rating and eighteenth in points per game, but they're they're fourth in opponents' points per game and seventh in defensive rating. They've got that ability to really disrupt other teams. And you think that offense is always going to be there. They're always going to be able to go out and have those elite games when you've got Chris Paul, you've got Devin Booker, you've got, you've got KD. So that's why you'd have more faith in them going on this sort of run, not just because they have the, they've made the big moves and have the, the better players. It's just the fact that the defense is there. And you know, even though the offense hasn't been quite as fluid as we've seen over the last couple of years, you know that can take a that extra jump, and you know that the defense is going to be there alongside it. That's on paper there; they're better set up to go and and, and on a on a on a playoff run. But I'll pose the question. I'll pose it a little bit differently. Okay. Do you think the Suns are in the NBA Finals? You got Devin Booker and KD both averaging above twenty five per game. Who wins Finals MVP? Oh, okay. So to clarify, my, when I said clickbait question, originally we were talking about like whose team is it? But I, I guess that, I mean, that's who's going to win it? Just in terms of voters, I, I think that I think that voters are going to want to vote for Devin Booker. Really? Okay. I think voters are going to want to vote for, for Devin Booker. And and I think Kevin Durant would want voters to, to vote for Devin Booker. I mean, that it's and and if the if the games come down to how they how we think they will in terms of how how the offense is flowing if if things are flowing through Booker and you know Durant is a secondary scorer on this team if if Durant is a primary scorer if if like they have to throw the ball to Durant in the mid post for down the stretch because Devin Booker is not hitting shots and he's turning the ball up if if he for some reason it falls apart, which, you know, I'm not predicting it. That's not what I'm saying is going to happen, but obviously that then we give it to Kevin Durant, but I think the way that this will go, the way that this offense will continue to operate will be based off of Devin Booker's play. He's, he will be the focal point of the offense and Kevin Durant will be taking advantage of what he's doing offensively. But I think you give it to, to Devin Booker. And it, does that answer to the question of, is this Devin Booker's team, which is what we were originally saying, I think I mean yeah. I guess so I guess so yeah do who won uh who won in the Warriors first uh first uh championship with Curry yeah Iguodala. that was that was Sigudala so may, maybe maybe it comes it down to something Iguodala's like that team. <laughs> or 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 all right let, let, since we're just throwing box score stats out there what if what if yeah so you got Devin Booker scoring twenty twenty seven Kevin Rand scoring. 25 he's averaging two blocks a game but then you got chris paul averaging 15 points 10 assists three steals no 
to give it to Chris. Dude, I, mm. I'm saying if we're talking about voters, you, you're telling me that you're telling me that some some might not vote for Chris Paul. I don't it's, who even votes on the finals MVP. I don't, I don't actually know. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a fan vote. But anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it, it's going to go to either Devin Booker or Kevin Durant. We're not opening up this conversation I, any further. It's one of those dude, two guys, man. It's one of those I, two guys. Don't don't go. Don't be going on like that. I'm t- Andre Iguodala won Finals MVP because of what he did that didn't show up on the box score. But Chris Paul, if if he's if this is his this is his championship, Booker is going to win another one someday. Kevin Durant's already got his rings. This is this is going to be about Chris Paul. Okay, maybe I'll let you. I'll let I'll let you have that. I'll 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 I'll, I'll let that one slide. But uh, yeah, definitely on the whole, <laughs> it, it's looking better for the Suns and the fact that they're going to be coming in as uh, almost underdogs because of the position they're going to finish in the regular season. It's uh, definitely going to put put the fear factor into some of the uh, some of the higher ranked team. It's definitely going to lead to some. Uh, some really good matchups. And speaking of good matchups, flipping it over to the Eastern Conference, we had the the big one this week, the top two in the East going head-to-head. And the Boston Celtics absolutely destroyed the Bucks in Milwaukee, 140-99. to What what did you take from that game? And what do you think this this means going, going forward and into the playoffs? I... I think the the first thing that I noticed from this game that I think was huge is, you know, the the number of looks, the number of things you could do that you can do for for Giannis, because I mean Giannis is just fresh off and it's a couple games removed from his near forty point triple double, and we know how dominant he can be in the paint, but the attention to detail that Celtics had that night, forcing him baseline and just the tough angles they made him take, they they made him take really tough angles of the basket. And angles where he couldn't really make a pass unless it was to the the short corner, and there wasn't help coming from the short corner that the shooters were were covered, so they weren't immediately doubling on the drive when he would get down the middle, which they weren't letting him do. They weren't letting him get down the middle, and that was that was huge. I mean, just and then seeing uh, Time Lord be out there, not just defense. We we know that he's going to be a problem for for Giannis defensively. But offensively too, like the presence that he has in the dunker spot, like there's all the little things came together for the Celtics in a big way. And then when you pair that with Jason Tatum and Brown combining for 70 points, you compare that with Malcolm Brogdon, who I, I don't know, is he, is he winning six man of the year? I, I don't know who's honestly, who's winning six man of the year, but he's, he's gotta be up there because I mean, when Brogdon's out there and he's facing second units, like he gets whatever he wants, like literally anything he wants. If he, if he wants to create a mid-range jumper, he's going to create a mid-range jumper. If he wants to get into the paint, he's he's blowing by a defender. And he does it so surgically. Like he just dissected the box all night long. And you know, that's that's gonna be a problem. Like I, I don't think the I don't think the Bucks have a, a second unit to match the Celtics. And the Celtics depth is really gonna continue to show. I I thought it was just a massive statement win for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, to win by 40, 41 points in, in Milwaukee is just kind of insane. And they did it on both ends of the floor. Like you said, the defense on Giannis, the defense just as a whole. Obviously, you can't fully rely on, on the offense continuing because, I mean, Al Horford was hitting a few Steph Curry threes at a, at a couple of points. He was hitting from way, way down, down on, yeah. a, on a couple of occasions. Maybe you can't uh, rely on that when we get to what we probably believe is going to be the Eastern Conference Finals matchup. But three-point shot. We mentioned it again. We mentioned it all year. That could be the difference again. It was the difference last year, even without 
obviously Middleton wasn't there, but the three point shot was the huge difference maker. Again, in this uh in this game, they, they shot fifty one percent from three point range, the the Celtics, twenty two makes, shot fifty six percent on the hole from the field. Then you look at the books. This comes down to I guess it comes down to an element of defense, element of luck with shot making. They shot 32.6% from three and below 30, 38% from the field. And they also had 10 more shots than uh than the Celtics. It just shows how poor you say the shooting night was from the books, but also how good the defense was from the the Celtics to force them into to bad looks. Now a lot of guys were cold and you wouldn't expect that in over a seven game series to to go the same way, but it, it just slowly feels like the the Celtics have a big edge in terms of three point shooting, which is a big difference maker in the modern day NBA. And they also just seem to have the they have the the best formula to take down this almost seemingly unstoppable Bucks force led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I think the a major thing too. I don't know if you if you felt this way, but again, it felt like Middleton is not as is not having as much of an impact as he did last season. And for for the NBA Finals to be the goal in mind for the Bucks, obviously, you know that that just has to come to fruition. Like he needs to be a difficult shot maker. That's his role on this team. Is if if Giannis is getting close off and he's not being allowed in the paint if Drew Holiday is not getting easy looks. Because uh, Drew Holiday's had a tear this past uh, handful of games. Um, but you can't rely on Drew Holiday to be making magic. Like, the, six, the shots he's taking... Six points versus Celtics. Six points. Yeah. His first three, though, was like... he His first couple shots, just immediately, immediate trigger, hits him like, okay, is this a Drew Holiday game? And then that was it. That was it. And, you know, you're... Drew Holiday against Marcus Smart, against Derek White, against Malcolm Bright. Like those are those are great defenders. That's not going to be easy. Um, but Chris Middleton, I mean, he he's he's their only mid-range shot maker. He's he's the only one that off the dribble or in the mid-post when the game slows down is going to create from that area. And I think especially with the defense that we're seeing from Time Ward from Horford, and Horford, by the way. The last time we said he's not going to do this one well playoffs was last season when he was shooting 45%. And that like, we, I think we didn't even realize it at that point. And guess what? He's still shooting from three right now, 45% for the whole season. It, wow. I, whatever happened last, last, uh, last new year's uh, in, in 2021, like, that's just, he's, he's been on fire. So I, I think he'll continue to shoot that, but all the defense that the Celtics been able to do in the paint, I mean, the bucks are shooting, um, are one of the best teams in the paint, obviously. You got Brooke Lopez, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo shooting 63% right at the rim against the Celtics, shoot 56%. And that's a massive difference. And they are really showing statistically over the course of this season that they're able to stop the Bucs from being successful in the paint. And we've already talked about the concerns that we have for the Bucs in terms of how much volume they can do from three because they don't really have that this season. So for, for a statement win like this and to look across the season and also not see the uh, Bucks get a Chris Middleton that looks like the guy he was at the beginning of last season where I was off my chair saying that he should be an all-star. <laughs> that's that They just don't have all-star Chris Middleton, and that's, that's concerning. I, I don't think that they're going to 
they're going to make it to the finals unless that that version of of Middleton comes out very soon. Yeah, I think that's where you looked at even what way the matchups could break down. Teams will will have that bit more of a thought in their head that if we can somewhat limit Giannis, you're never going to stop Giannis under the gun, but you have to try and do what the Celtics can do. Now that is extremely difficult. They just have you have to try and get him to places where he's not overly comfortable and get the ball out of his hands. That's that's all you can really do when you're playing against still probably the best the best player in the uh, in the NBA currently. It's just how uh, you definitely though the fear factor may not be there as much with the books. I'd say other teams looked at that and thought. I'm sure the Celtics uh, now are thinking uh, real hot, thinking, "Oh yeah, we we got this. We don't have any worries in the in the uh, in the East." But I think other teams outside of them will think, even in the earlier rounds, maybe we could make this books team sweat a little bit, and that's uh that's got to be a worry. This is a this is a big week or two, or for for Chris Middleton and and for the books as a whole to to find something within themselves to to get them back on the uh, on the right on the right flow, but. You think about it now. One question for you: You think that the the books would think that they possibly need to make a make a move in the in the off season, or you think they'll they'll stick with Middleton and, and the current formula that they have? If if his form, if he can't get back to 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 the level that he was at before uh, prior to the injury, I I just don't think it's there. I, they they don't have they don't have the assets to make anything work like that and they're really just going to have to like hit some magic in the draft in the second round um you see like a guy like like Jaden hardy that the Mavs got like a guy like that that would have been huge for this team like it getting getting a guy that you know maybe some teams are giving up on and maybe an, old, an older player just just someone who can who can create a creative player who's able to you put the ball in his hands and he's gonna be able to do something um but maybe it's also if you look at Zach Levine, for example, beginning of the season after he had surgery, beginning of the summer, he just had such a such a tough time, like really getting back to himself. And that was really amplified. And everyone looked at it, it was like, wow, like he really fell off. And Chris Milton only, I mean, he's he's come back for, you know, almost a third of the season now. And albeit on unlimited minutes here and there, not playing a back-to-back. So it, it's still, I still think, you know, he's warming up into it and he could look different by the last round of the playoffs. I, I think the the Bucks are not scared of anybody. Like they're going to be there against the Celtics, you know, to, to get into the finals. It's just a question if, if Milton can get there. I don't, I don't think they're worried about making a move right now. I think they're worried about getting Middleton in the flow of things and just getting him back to being confident. Cause that, that takes time. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, yeah. I think I think that's a fair shout. And then what about the West? We had the the the, the big play in matchup last night, the Lakers yep. against the Timberwolves. Seeing exactly what we want to see out of this Lakers team the last couple of games, both AD and LeBron on the floor with this new look roster, and AD being the dominator and LeBron just being the complimentary piece is what we've been looking for all year. The last two games he did it against the Bulls, and it was the same last night. He absolutely dominated, and he was a big part of the the Lakers on their comeback. I think they were down about twelve or thirteen in the uh, in the third quarter, and then they just completely flipped the switch on the Timberwolves. Timberwolves went ice cold, and AD and the the Lakers just just took over. And 
really showed why people like keep talking, they like keep making the the word that you're thinking if it's the Lakers and the the Nuggets or in the first round or something like that, the the Nuggets would be a little bit a little bit worried. I think that the Lakers would be feeling confident going into any playoff series. Just a question now: Do they make the leap into the to the sixth seed or not? But specifically on this game. The board's proven another problem for the Timberwolves. It was the big issue last year against the Grizzlies. They they thought they were get, fixing that hole. I thought they were fixing that hole when they got Gobert in. Still still an issue. 15 offensive boards for the Lakers. It feel like half of AD's points were, were uh, offensive boards and putbacks. He had eight offensive boards. They out-rebounded the Timberwolves 53-39. to that, that problem is still very evident for this team. It's they are an elite if they if they aren't the best rebounding team in basketball they are one of the best rebounding teams in basketball and it's just purely based on i mean look at who they're throwing out there vanderbilt ad lebron even even delos a, a solid uh rebounder for a guard like they they have a great they're not going to be giving up second chance points they're not going to shy away from getting their own second chance points and i still it's still mind-boggling how bad the Timberwolves can be on the defensive board, especially with Gobert there. But, you know, it's 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 a team effort. And even when you have Kyle Anderson out there, it's there's so many times when there's just an offensive board and just, like, palms up instead of players getting up or boxing up. Like, it's just, just not enough communication there. And I think that was the theme of the night. Like, we, we, saw, we saw it be a tough game uh, for both teams, like, really back and forth going on runs up until the the third quarter. And again, there there's just some there there's not an engine that that pushes this team mm-hmm. when things get tough. And that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. Like it there's going to be runs all game long. You just have to be able to survive them. You have to keep pushing. You have to stay focused and stay locked in. And one lapse is going to spell the end of a game. That's exactly what happened in the third quarter. It, it's I want to say it was like a it was like a ten zero run or so of the Timberwolves just not getting back on defense, and it's just an easy bucket, easy bucket, and a turnover, easy bucket, not getting a rebound, easy bucket, and then the Lakers just all of a sudden out of nowhere after being down, now they have like a 10, 12 point lead, and that's just something that the Timberwolves have classically done, and that's something that we've seen very frequently with their two big man lineup that somehow can't rebound the basketball, and can't defend the paint. And somehow this is a fascinating thing, but Anthony Davis loves playing against Gobert. If, if this is this is a matchup, because Anthony Davis has averaged twenty seven, he's averaged twenty seven points and ten rebounds against Gobert his career. And last night was another masterpiece against who, you know, is known as one of the best defenders of our generation. And this this kind of shows me not just that the Timberwolves aren't ready. And it's it's been a consistent theme. It's not just the last night, but you know you had to get up, had to get up against the Lakers in this matchup, and they didn't. But the Lakers, their spacing, their their play on the boards, like you said, I mean, that on a lot of different levels, I think they looked continuously more impressive. Yeah, 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 hundred hundred percent. It's it's uh, it's been a good turnaround, and it's been nice to see now with uh, with LeBron back in the lineup as well. And you just think now it's. Can they keep on winning? They can make the Warriors sweat. They're a game and a half back on the Warriors at the moment. And they're actually above 500, which is the first time. In, uh, <laughs> and I don't know how long that it's been there. They're at that level. But 
They're a game and a half back, but they played one game less. I think that difference maker is the game tomorrow night against the Rockets. Now, recently they lost a game to the Rockets. They have to make sure they don't uh, make that mistake again. They have to keep on winning if they're gonna if they're gonna make a push to try and get that six e before the end of this year. But if they don't, I think they'll be confident of uh, of winning in the um winning in the in the plan and then likely facing either the Grizzlies or the Nuggets and it's just a question now of how they're gonna look in a playoff series and it's it'll be very, very interesting to see this Lakers team go up against another side in a over a seven game series, whether that be the Nuggets or the Grizzlies, which are the two most likely teams that they're gonna that they're gonna face. But A D playing the way he is at the moment, most games this year with thirty five plus points, fifteen plus boards. Yeah, he's had seven of those. He's looking as dominant as he has in a Lakers uniform, and that's what the Lakers needed him to get to this whole year. I know he had that moment where he went down last night and he obviously he played through and looked fine. Hopefully that's not, not something that's gonna linger with him. But the way that they're playing at the moment, the way A D is playing at the moment I I feel like as long as they don't have any complacency against uh against a few of the weaker teams they have left to play, they will be uber confident going into the playoffs, whether that's as the six seed or through the plan. Yeah, and it's gonna he's gonna continue to play well offensively because it's and it's very simple. Like he's not and he he mentioned it. He's not facing double teams. There's multiple ball handlers. There's there are so many more ways that the Lakers can hurt you. Um, if you doubled AD, they, they have more Austin Reeves, like we mentioned, how good he's been. Um, Dennis Schroeder having D'Lo healthy and be, being out there, the kind of chemistry that they've developed. Like they have shooters, they have playmakers, and AD doesn't have to fight through three guys just to get to the rim. LeBron James doesn't have to stare down an early double team as soon as he dribbles the basketball. And there's just so much more flow to this offense. And, you know, that we'll, we'll see who they match up with. But nobody's gonna want to face it's it's not it's gonna be scary to look at at LeBron as they've been gathering as much steam as they had. And it's not just because LeBron's going off or 80's going off, like this team is working as a whole. I will say what one thing though that does have to change is some of the lineups that Darwin Ham's thrown out there. Um sometimes just making complete platoon swaps and just throwing out the whole bench just to give his starters a rest. And when you don't have LeBron out there, when you don't have AD or you don't have D'Lo and Reeves, like you have two good playmakers, like they just, they don't take care of the basketball and they don't play defense and they can't like it's It's a really bad bench unit sometimes when he just throws out the whole entire second unit. So staggering those guys, I think will be key in the, in the playoffs. And that's again, chess match. I can't wait to see how that, that ends up because there's, there's going to be so many chess matches we see in the West given not surprising, given how, uh, tight it's been out there but it's great to see the Lakers finally actually have a shot I, I didn't look up their 538 but I don't care what they say because the stats are not going to show how good this team has looked over the few past few weeks that it doesn't look fluky looks like LeBron actually has a supporting cast that's going to take him as far as that he's gonna that he can take them yeah absolutely and uh, you mentioned I want to give one another shout out to Austin Reeves he's just my boy now I love I love Austin Reeves so much I'm excited to see what he more than Tyler Hero he, he's your favorite he's your favorite uh NBA NBA white boy now 
I think I think he is. Yeah, I mean, I've just I've loved. It's like a it's like a more realistic, uh, minor version of of Lin's sanity that we're kind of seeing out of. Uh, Ooh, don't don't out of, out of disrespect. Don't disrespect don't, Lin sanity like that. I'm not disrespecting oh. Lin sanity, but some of the games that he's had and the the run that he's yeah. been on, a more realistic, sustainable run that we're seeing out of. Uh, out of Austin Reeves, and it's been a it's been an important difference maker for this Lakers team, and he's continued to do it even with LeBron back in team, even with less time where he's uh where he's handling the ball, he's he's showing us a good cutter, he can be a good three point shooter, he gets to the line, and that's a uh, an important difference maker for the for the Lakers unit uh, playing with both the second unit and uh, as he's been a starter in the last few games, and it's going to continue on now into the playoffs. But I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Heading into the last week of the regular season, yeah. teams can still make runs. Every every game is important for a lot of teams uh, as we approach the last week, which is good to see. This is what we want. This is why we love the NBA. It's got to be that close, that competitive. Playing still not set in, in either conference. We still don't know what the matchups are going to be, but we will soon. One more week to go. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Pleasure as always. And thank you all so much for listening. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, like subscribe comment follow us on youtube follow us on spotify leave us that five star rating if you're feeling that generous check us out on social media we are everywhere at coast to coast nba and most importantly remember to take every shot and love every moment